Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, all right, I don't want to go too loud. Scare our guest, our co-host here, uh, John Von Tobel's with us. It is Friday, 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 Friday. Here is the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Like I said, John Von Tobel's here. James with the setup. Demond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We got a special guest host in uh, Charles Williams, fresh off the field from, uh, that was a year ago, right? Two years ago. Two years ago. Time flies, man. Aiden Robbins was last year, and now he's off to BYU. Mm -hmm. Um, So first of all, I appreciate you coming down and sitting in you know, with us for a while. Of course. Appreciate you having me on here. All right. Well, we're going to do a lot of football this hour, right, John? we got a lot to get into. Hey, James, can we move those speakers when you get a chance? Uh, we're getting a little feedback. Um, I want to get to the Raiders in about half an hour. We'll get to UNLV and the Ninth Island Showdown and Hawaii in about 15. But let's come out of the gates and talk about a once-proud franchise, John, in the Packers. I know you're fired up about the late-game run that – Jordan Love went on a little bit because we got a bet. We'll get to the update on the bet. But in general now, what are we seeing out of the Packers? We're talking about once pride. Like, they should be proud. They're still fine. they got a quarterback of the future. He's dropping dimes like he's got holes in his pockets last night. You're, uh, you're, you're being sarcastic. No, I'm not. <laughs> why, would we, uh, why would you actually be down on this team? It was a bad performance. It was one game. As Charles knows, I have a former athlete on my side. This is the first words we've ever spoken to each other. But I know that he's on my side when it comes to this. Look. Was yesterday great? No, but I think if you watched yesterday, right, I think it's more, a little bit more, about the offensive line and the way that that thing played. I mean, as LaFleur put in halftime, like, they got their you-know-what's whooped yesterday, and Love couldn't really do anything. So if you're using yesterday as one of your barometers for how Jordan Love is going to be as a quarterback, I would say that it's not the game to do it. What do you think? Uh, I kind of agree with him because I've seen Jordan Love play since like high school. I played against him in high school and then played against him at Utah State. Uh, he's been the same dude ever since. Uh, like he said, he's just not having a you know confident stature in the pocket. Uh, I could say he kind of rushes his you know progression because he's trying to get the ball out fast, but he really can't get it out like where he needs to get it out to because he can't trust the O line. And then you have David uh, Bakatari. He's on IR now, so he's really going to have a hard time just stepping up in the pocket and making the right decisions every time. But that's why you see at the end of the games, these late game, like, heroics, kind of like what Aaron Rodgers does. It's more of, like, him just, like, all right, I'm just going to go out here and do my best. If I get sacked, I get sacked. But I'm going to make sure I get the ball off fast and try to produce for my team and try to get us in, in, and get us a win. So, Charles, do you have the same observation that I do? Because when I watch him, I feel like he makes the right decisions. Mm-hmm. It's just the accuracy that he's not there at times. Like I feel like you're miss- he's leaving a lot of throws to wide-open guys on the field at times. But there's a confidence in the fact that he's making the right decisions. But also he has a, lot- he has a group of young receivers, Christian Watson, uh, Jaden Reed, uh, Romeo Dobbs. Like, those dudes are very fast or they're very agile and they can get open, but it's more of a consistent thing. That's the difference between uh, Justin Jefferson and Christian Watson. Like, yeah, Christian Watson's faster than Justin Jefferson, and he can hit the deep ball all the time. Yes, he can, but he's not going to get consistently open on every route that you, you know, expect him to get open on. So you're wrong, Steve. Well, he also mentioned something two minutes ago that kind of blows up your whole argument about, um, you know, this is not the right game to judge off of. This is what they are. Now, to Charles' point, 
they are going to grow at receiver. They're going to get better. Love has a chance to get better. But yeah. now Bakhtiari's done for the year. Yeah. So how do they make up for that, John? Well, and also I would my rebuttal would be that you're not going to face a pass rush like the Lions every single week. You're going to face them one more time. Uh, but that's a pretty good front led by a pretty darn good defensive end. I think last night he had eight pressures, eight Hutchinson. So, like, that's pretty good in terms of an individual defensive player to be able to pressure a quarterback individually eight times in a single game. I don't think you're going to face that every single week. Their defense. Off of love for a second. So Montgomery goes for 121. They outgain him, what, 401 to 230. Is their defense going to be any good, the Packers? Well, they were missing uh, Jair Alexander. You can't even be upset about that. Your best DB's out. Um, that kind of takes away. Sometimes the D coordinator is a little more aggressive when he has great DB's out there because he can play a lot more man, a lot more uh, zone blitzes, a lot more man blitzes. But if you don't have your best DB out there, you're kind of scared to do anything as a DC. So he ha- uh, you kind of got to look into, like, the injuries on the defensive side too. Uh, I-, I agree, though, like, is the defense going to step up, though, for Jordan Love to be great? Yeah, the defense is going to have to be good. But, you know, you look at, like, the second half, for example, right? So the Packers get the ball in the first drive. They come out, 12 plays, 86 yards, whatever it was, touchdown. Then the defense comes out, forces a three and out immediately, gives you another opportunity to do it. You mess up. You know, there was a – I think it was a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, if I remember correctly, on the second drive of the second half. But the defense actually, in the second half at least, did a lot better. And the lone touchdown that you give up in the second half of the Green Bay Packers comes as a result of a penalty – <laughs> right, that your special team screwed you over. You could have helped him to a field goal, gotten the ball back in a two-possession game, and instead you have to, of course, get back on the field and you give up the backbreaker. Like, the defense wasn't good in the first half, but I think they're better than what they showed, and I thought the second half gave you some glimpses, especially, as Charles mentioned, without Jair Alexander, that this is going to be an okay unit. I don't know if they're going to be top ten, but I think they're above average. Mm-hmm. How much better are the Lions in the division? Like, what do you think the gap they will be between the NFC North? What do you think the difference is? Say, like, we like to make bets on the show. They're very balanced. Like, okay. they can run and pass the ball very efficiently, and yeah. they don't even have Jameson Williams out there yet. By the way, update on that one. He's going to be able to play uh, either next week or in two weeks, something he, like that. He'll be back on Monday. Yeah. I don't know if they'll play him right away, but he was, they basically pushed it back two weeks because they changed the gambling policy, which is still yeah. kind of screwy. John, did you hear about their changes? Yes, I did. I just, still don't, I just still don't understand the not able to bet on other sports. I totally get everything when it comes to the National Football League. I don't understand why you would penalize a guy betting on Major League Soccer while he's chilling in a locker room. Yeah. It's unfair, but, you know, that's how they just keep – well, also, you got to think, though, like, athletes, we have a better chance of knowing what's going on on the inside. Yeah. We have better connections and stuff like that. So we can go out there and be able to say, you know, hey, can you help me out? Like, what, what's the scheme for this week? Or, you know, what's the game plan? What, what are you guys going to do? Like, LeBron. Like, I know you don't know me like that, but can you give me, like, you going to go off tonight or not? So I'm, about to, I'm about to go and get on prize picks and put my money on you. Let me know. Well, you definitely can't bet on your own team. I think they – did they make that a lifetime suspension? Is that what it was? Or was it a yeah, yeah, gambling on any NFL game, I think it's it – Oh, any a, NFL game. Yeah, it was a lifetime suspension. All I'll right. double-check. The other confusion is still if you bet on – because it's uh, – you're in trouble if you bet on another sport in a team facility, and then we found out a team facility technically is when they're on the road in the team hotel. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I can't – Wait, I'm out of town. I'm not in, technically in a team facility, but now they all know. I hope that they can't bet in a hotel on the road. So speaking of betting, John, let Charles in. And Charles Williams is with us, former UNLV running back, JBT, Cofield. We're down here at uh, TI, Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook, and Bar. Uh, let him in on this, this bet that you and Damon, who's back in the studio, made. Jordan Love, 
Justin Fields. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> well, why the oh, God? Poured him on. Because I know it's going to be either who's going to pull out and be the better QB or something like that. It's right. exactly what it, it is. is. <laughs> uh, we're, we're doing it based off PFF overall grade. So whoever has the higher PFF overall grade at the end of the year uh, wins the bet. So this is the toss-up, though. Because Fields is also an explosive runner. Yes. What if his PPF grade goes up? Uh, I mean, PFF grade goes up by just running. And Good. that Good. is that is the challenge. Part right? of it. That, for that, me, that was the risk I'm yep, making the bet. That was a risk for me. So, for example, to your point, Charles. So after last night, um, Jordan Love sixty-seven point two overall grade. Fields is at sixty-two point three. So if you were to if you were to gauge like the average fan, you'd be like, who's better? I think a lot of people through three weeks, like, like, oh, it's Jordan Love, not, not even close. close. No, right. it's close. So. I am I am sweating it out because, like you said, now the good thing is the Bears staff seems like a bunch of idiots who are not going to run Justin Fields the way that he should, mm-hmm. so that might help me out. Yeah. But, like, this last game against Kansas City, he actually graded out really well, and it's going to keep this thing really tight. you got to remember he does have DJ Moore. He, he has uh, Claypool. He has Mooney. He has Komet. They're going to figure it out soon. And this is what I always get mad about is, like, it's like last year, because I'm an Eagles fan. He played against the Eagles, and he played well. Like, completion rate was good. He had good decisions, no interceptions. He had he had one fumble. No, he didn't have a fumble. Somebody else had a fumble. But, like, he didn't turn the ball over. And it was like, dang, like, he really figured it out against us. And it's going to be that one team is like, oh, they're on a losing streak, and then he's going to come around and have an amazing game. And they're like, oh, now he has it figured out. Oh, one explosive Justin Fields game is going to screw me over. Yeah. Like, because – Love it. Love was, I think yesterday was one of his higher PFF grades overall for an individual game. Mm-hmm. But he's going to float around this 67, 68 mark all season. Like, I don't think he's going to really be a ton better as the season goes along. But he's in a tough division, and then they play uh, another tough div- division in AFC, too. I think they play the AFC West this year. I believe so. They do. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they open with the Chiefs. So yeah. yeah. There's always one division you play on AFC and then one extra team now that you play in AFC. So I don't know who they play. We'll take a, uh, a quick time out here. We're at. T.I. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Come on down. 55-plus TVs. The betting kiosks are open 24-7. The valet is free. The self-parking is free. We got some T.I. prizes to give out. We got Charles Williams here for the rest of the hour. We got a couple of former NFL players coming in to the set in the 4 o'clock hour. So come on out. Watch the show with Cofield and Company. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Makes sense, right? If you're playing for a trophy, go win it. Uh, Barry Odom there in the break. But we come back here, Cofield and Company, JBT. Charles Williams, the former UNLV running back, is with us. Threw in a nice nugget a couple of minutes ago uh, before we get to the Ninth Island Showdown. I was listening when you said you played against Jordan Love in high school. He's Bakersfield? Mm-hmm. You? Fresno. Fresno. Why was he not that recruited out of high school? He, he actually did not have a bunch of offers when he landed at Utah State. Recruited to Fresno State or just in general? In general, he didn't have a lot of offers. When he landed at Utah State, they found a gem that was really under-recruited. Well, it's just like Fresno is very under-recruited, so Bakersfield's on the outskirts of that, so they get looked over a lot. And the school you went to, they really don't have a lot of people that come out of there successfully. So it's really just based off, like, it's all about a pipeline, like, from high schools. You know, like, certain high schools like Bishop Gorman, De La Salle, Modern Day, even, like, uh, the ones in the south, they tend to like just have this pipeline of players and like scouts know I can go here and I'm gonna find somebody. So it's just usually like just knowing where to go and knowing what school is gonna bring the most talent out. And now it's even tougher with the transfer portal. Less and less high school kids are actually getting a chance at 
FBS to start. Now they have to kind of work their way up either with JUCO or go to FCS. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Uh, after COVID, everything started, like, just changing, like, especially with the rules and everything with the NCAA. They tried to make it easier for the players that were already here, and I understand that. But now, like, these high school kids, like, I know I know somebody that was uh, – he went to my high school. He had an offer to UNLV. And when Coach Arroyo and them came, uh, he kind of, like, lost it because they needed to use it for somebody else that they wanted. So it's very unfortunate. We've got a special connection to Bakersfield at this point right now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your car yeah, broke down there so, two days ago. So you, you, you know Merced? Yeah, I know Merced. So my wife's from Merced. Okay. Um, we were, she's up there right now. She's got a bachelorette party actually in Fresno. Uh-huh. But we were driving up there on Tuesday night. And my car broke down on the 99 North, probably like 20 minutes out of Bakersfield. Mm. So I had to get it towed back. So right now my car is actually in Bakersfield all by itself at an auto shop. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta you almost sounded emotional there. <laughs> I mean, I feel naked. Like, it's gone. I, don't, I feel bad that I'm not around it in this strange area. But Yeah, very true. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> it's a great area, though. I'm going to go hang out in Fresno next Friday, actually. So i got to pick your brain on some good spots. Okay, I got you. So this Hawaii matchup, uh, in the past you enjoyed it because you really did well in the field. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the success in those games and, and actually if there is an extra level of enthusiasm because Hawaii is kind of a rival and now you got a trophy that you're going for. Well, like since my freshman year, we've been able like to successful, successfully run the ball and you know get our play action going with them. Uh, like the in my last year, we really just – we were looking at how they were trying to run their defense. They kind of tried to run it like San Diego State. But the thing with San Diego State, why they're so good in their defense is because they play sound football, all, all 11 hats to the ball every time. And Hawaii, you know, they're kind of trying to replicate that. But you got to have the players and, you know, the effort and the talent to do that every single play. You know what I mean? So the fact that like UNLV right now is running the ball so effectively, is I'm – Kind of, you know, you're going to see the same replay as uh, as the last week, just running the ball and getting, uh, I believe Jaden is playing this week, or if Doug is available, I'm not sure yet. I'm not over there anymore. But whatever, whoever's at QB is going to be a lot easier for them if we can get the ball on the ground and, and take over. So you were obviously the focal point of the offense for UNLV. What's it like as a running back facing stack boxes and when defenses are like, nah, like let's see if your quarterback can beat us because we know that the primary weapon is, is you? Um. It's very difficult at first. Like that first quarter, you're trying to get a feel for what they're trying to do. Uh, they're running like a lot of odd or a lot of uh, four fronts, uh, four you know four down linemen. Uh, it's very difficult like at first, but once you get like that first like you know open like big run, it's like okay, it's like I got my I got my first gash. Let's keep slicing. Let's keep slicing. Let's keep slicing. And it, every play is not going to be a big play, but something eventually is going to break down. And the thing is, if you're in great condition and you can stay on the field for a long period of time, you're going to have that big run sooner or later. So you just got to really stay patient with those type of defenses. And you know they're trying to stop you. Don't try to do too much and just get north and south, and you'll be fine. Because you know, we, Steve and I were talking about this. Uh, like Miami's come in and played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Brumfield got off to a pretty rough start. Regardless of who it is, I think at this point, if you're an opposing defense, it's like, all right, we're, we're going to stop the run, and we're yeah. going to see if either of these guys, whoever it is, is going to be able to beat us, and I would assume that that's what UNLV is going to face this weekend. Well, the thing is, they have Ricky White, they have uh, Jacob uh, De Jesus, uh, they have a lot of experience in that tight end room now, and they got a lot of experience on the O-line, so it's going to be a lot of time for them to you know operate. It's not like Hawaii is going to come in here and 
just you know cause havoc right off the bat like we know who they are they are you know kind of like like you said a rival so when you have a rival opponent you got a lot of film on them and you try to figure out what they're trying to do and then also like they played a lot of games you know earlier before us so they probably been watching film on hawaii for a while now all right we might have a situation in a couple of weeks this will be real interesting I wonder what happens if Maiava goes out tomorrow and just lights him up and has, like, this super efficient game, mm-hmm. just blows it up. And then Doug is finally cleared. And, 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 by the way, that's not official yet, but he's cleared, and they're both ready to go going into the Reno game. Mm. What do you do at quarterback then? I love both my guys. Uh, it's a tough def- decision. It's up to the coaches. I don't know what they're going to do. but Shouldn't lose your job because of an injury. That's but what that's we always what say. But that's I was going to go to. You stay with the high hand. It's just like I'm not, I'm not saying Jordan's on a Lynn Sanity run, but when Jeremy Lynn went crazy, <laughs> like you're not going to just, you know, Carmelo Anthony's coming back. No, I'm not going to move uh, Lynn back to the bench. We're going to see if this can work. And if the hot hand is still hot, we're going to keep going. It's just like when a running back is hot. Like, you know, you rotate your running backs. Whoever has the hot hand, you keep that guy in. And he if he can finish the game, he can do it then. But until Jaden starts making mistakes, uh, I don't really see any uh, reason to take him out. What do you think has been behind? I know obviously he's been hurt, but what do you think was behind the slow start for Doug in the first couple of games? New system. Like, you got to remember, like, if you learned the whole entire system, you're trying to wash all that away and trying to bring this new one in. So once you, like, get comfortable, it's like – but it, then again, it, like, playing Bryant, it's, those type of games are hard because you're trying to make the big play. You're trying to have, like, the stats, like, you know, inflated and everything. But sometimes it's just not going your way. And I believe the Michigan game, it was just the pressure getting there. Like, Doug couldn't really, like, step up and, like, get his throws going. And then um, I believe the Vanderbilt game, I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't have a chance to watch that. He got knocked out. And uh, he threw the pick and everything, but after that he didn't play. So like we we haven't seen like a full like a full game of Doug, and we can't really judge him yet. Just like the Jordan Love situation, it's kind of like that. It's like it's unfair because we haven't seen a full game out of him, and it's not like he's been down in the wire and he's made mistakes. No, it's just like either the game's out of hand or we're blowing somebody out. So it's kind of hard to judge him right now. I hope Doug gets back and he's able to reclaim his position because he does deserve it. But Whatever happens, happens. That's the voice of Charles Williams, former UNLV running back. JBT's here at Cofield, Treasure Island. One more thing on, on the UNLV side, and just going back a little bit. You mentioned it's hard to learn a system. What do you think it's like in this go-go for all these running backs? You like the system, or do you like what you were running with Arroyo? Like, would you like to be in this? I would, I, I told I, honestly I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna put it on Twitter. I was gonna tag Coach Marion. I was like, I got one more year left, uh, honestly, <laughs> of eligibility. So if you need a back, just you know hit me up. But uh, I've seen this offense before at Howard because you know you're on the wrong side of that one. Yeah, I was on the wrong side of that one. <laughs> to this day, that still haunts me. But um, this offense right here is it's not like wing T, but it kind of is similar as far as a deception because it's two backs. And you never know who's getting the ball. You never know who's blocking. And then it helps the whole line out because you don't, like, the defense can't shift. They can't get ready for the run to the left. They can't get ready for the run to the right. You don't know what's going on. You can run read option. You can run a whole bunch of stuff out of, out of that offense. And the thing is, is the offense is, like, kind of, like, fast-paced. So it keeps the defense on their toes. It's like, where is the back lined up? Where the back lined up? Where is the tight end? Where is the tight end? Like, it's, it's, like, confusion all over the place. But to them, for UNLV, it's so simple because – they know everything. 
But to the defense, it's complex. That's the main thing. Make our, make our life simple and make their life complex. That's all it is. I'm really curious down the road what kind of quarterback they ideally want in the go-go because when you played Howard, it was – Cam Newton's brother, but he's not. He wasn't Cam size. He was like five ten, five eleven. Exactly. So I was like, oh, they're going to go with a small quarterback who can also really be good on the RPOs. But right now on the roster, they've got Doug, who's six six. But I don't know that you want Doug running all the time. He can run when he gets out. He can run. Yeah. Um, Mayava can get the edge, but he's not really a true runner. Yeah. Um, next year's class has a kid who's like six foot and one ninety five. Like I think that's the target. Uh, this year's class brought in a kid, Bo Edmondson, who's six two. Mm-hmm. You know, about, you know, 200 pounds. Yeah. So I wonder what, like, when they finally settle on a quarterback, what type of quarterback, what size that quarterback's going to be? Honestly, a, a quarterback, I'm trying to think of the QBs right now. Like a quarterback, uh, I'm not saying Caleb Williams, but, like, somebody like that stature. Like, he's not. Oh, really? Like, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, okay. Like, able to run, but he's like a more of like a power runner like Jalen Hurts. Like he doesn't have to be shifty or anything. He just he keeps the defense on their toes because he's accounted for tough yards too. So like third and two, uh, we got to worry about him because he can run with the ball too, and he might gash us for fifty. But the thing, the biggest thing in this offense, you got to have somebody that can throw like efficiently and also be smart with the decisions because you're reading a lot of things. I believe in this offense, it's not like just one one reading and like go like it's a read option and then you got. Like it's like the RPO game. Like you got the tight end probably coming, like an RPO flat wheel, like in Madden. I don't know. You guys play Madden? Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you were talking He's like, the guy who references. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna reference also the the Dragon Ball Z shirt too, yeah. but you know. <laughs> and then um, it's just it's like in this offense, you just gotta be able to make the right reads at the right time and just have fun. That's the thing with Coach Marion. All like when I went out to the first my first practice, uh, they just having fun and having like competitions. Like who threw the most picks today? All right, you told me you wasn't going to throw me this many picks, so we're going to work on that. Like, stuff like that, he has fun with the QBs and makes them feel comfortable with the mistakes they make and learn from them, you know what I mean? So, And then the whole offense just goes off that, too. It's Charles Williams, former UNLV running back, sitting in with us for the hour here at Treasure Island. John Von Tobel uh, is here as well. DeMond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. If you're on the east side, you're not going to make your way down near the strip. You can go see uh, Q. Q Myers is doing a show right now in Henderson. Uh, on uh, Mall Ring Circle, 617 Mall Ring Circle, uh, right across from Sunset Station. So get on out there. He's got a ton of prizes, and they've got uh, beer specials at Buffalo Wild Wings. You can go check that out. But we're coming back to the TI in just a couple, and we'll get into a Raiders preview. Man, things are looking kind of stacked against them, but and not to celebrate this, the Chargers are beat to hell right now. When you look on tape, what are you seeing from Zach Wilson in their offense? That was a hard question, I can't lie. The team that want to run the ball, of course, man, you know, not, not, that wasn't, you know, to be funny or anything, but A-Rod got hurt and it turned into a team where, like, in panic mode almost. That's what I see, at least. And um, they got great running backs, so now they're just trying to pound it, pound and ground. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. As if the Jets and their fans have been slapped in the face enough having to watch Zach Wilson. The opposition this Sunday, Willie Gay, basically locked up when asked, hey, what do you think of Zach Wilson? What have you seen on film? And he wanted to laugh. He really held it in. It's not a good situation at all. Charles Williams is with us. Um, now, Zach Wilson's really having trouble. I just don't think he processes the game. You, you see this for certain quarterbacks, and you see it. Like, I'm used to seeing it in college when you go two or three deep, and you can just see the game's too fast. And... Guys snap the ball, and then all of a sudden they're like, I, I just don't – I didn't pick it up. 
Well, he's in the NFL, and that's a problem. Chuck, you were just talking about Kirk Cousins. Now, he, he is a great quarterback at times, but it seems like in the, the most key pivotal moments, and we want to talk Chargers and Raiders here in a second, like you were pointing out in this last game when he really needed to get the job done, it just seemed like he lost control game management-wise on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. So give me, you know, give me what you were taking you know, or what you, uh, what you were giving out there on, on Kirk Cousins and just not managing the game. It's just, you know, sometimes, you know, you got a great receiver like Just, Just, uh, Jettis, Justin, Justin Jefferson. That's hard to say sometimes very fast. But uh, <laughs> it's just more like you're trying to force feed him because, you know, he's coming up. He's about to have a contract year. And then you got these other weapons, though, like Addison and then Hawkinson. You're trying to get them going. But the thing is, is like Kirk Cousins is a he's a good like he kind of reminds me of Philip Rivers. Like he's not going to do too much. He's going to get the ball to where it needs to be at certain times. But if you ask him to do too much, that's when the game starts coming at him too fast. Or like Cam Jordan said uh, this summer, he's like you know the QBs that we like to see are the ones that sit in the pocket and make a lot of decisions. Like take take their time. And those quarterbacks, he was like one of those quarterbacks is Kirk Cousins. I love playing against Kirk Cousins. And that's not a good thing you want to hear from a DN. No. So, and this offense, you know, it's very explosive at times. And it's very, you know, like dynamic. And they can do a lot of great things. But with Dalvin Cook being gone, like people know that all they can do is pass. Because nobody's going to respect Alexander Madison. Nobody's going to respect Ty Chandler and, you know, the backs after that. Yeah, Cam Akers. That could be the difference. If he, you know, if he keeps his head on straight, don't th- he's shaking his head. He's like, I don't no, know. No, no, it's not even that. It's just like Cam Akers is like a good back, but he's going to have to learn the whole entire system, and it's going to take some time. Yeah. But once again, like Kirk Cousins, he, like you said, he's a great QB, but at times, like, like they call him like the primetime choker for a reason. Like when it's primetime games, he just doesn't like step up to the plate. I don't know why. Like last year in the playoffs, like you can't lose to Daniel Jones. Like you just can't. Like, you're a veteran. You can't let somebody in their first playoff game that doesn't really even want to throw the ball. Like, the offense is really built around Saquon. You don't want to be around – I mean, you don't want to lose to somebody like that and then expect somebody to say, oh, you're a top-10 QB. So it's kind of difficult to see Kirk Cousins struggle right now. They're 0-3. Honestly, they talked about him being uh, in a trade deal with the Jets so they could get, you know, some veteran leadership in there for, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, and he'll be able to take over and let him – deal with the pressure and everything going into you know the rest of the season with Aaron Rodgers being out so I would not be surprised they have you know draft capital and stuff like that and they they're on three so the Vikings can do whatever they want at this point they can either try to make it to the playoffs or they can you know just tank and try to see what they can do and get rid of Kirk Cousins and go from there I mean we've talked about it I don't know why he's not a New York Jet already the for the Vikings to not actively ship shop him considering the window they're in maybe right they now. have Maybe they have. Maybe the, maybe the Jets are in this weird position where they're trying to balance it, giving Zach Wilson a chance. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of done. I'm a Jets fan, by the way. I'm just kind of <laughs> done with it. Um, and then they pick up Trevor Simeon, which I guess is a Band-Aid maybe. But the team's too good. Like, go and get someone, especially if the Vikings aren't asking for multiple first-round picks. If it's affordable, uh, go and grab them. Can I flip two? Let's flip to the Chargers and then talk Raiders here. Mm-hmm. What do you see with the Chargers? Because we have an argument all the time, and, and these guys are fading more and more on Brandon Staley. I think I'm the lone Brandon Staley supporter. What are you talking? Why do you? You're still in words? with him? Yes, of course I am. All right. Well, he's in the hot seat. No, Steve tries to put words in my mouth. No, no, no. I'm very pro Brandon Staley. Were, were you not? Were, you weren't on Tuesday. That's right. I'm sorry. I was mistaken because Miles Simmons came on from Pro Football Talk, and he just like he wide me to death. It's a great debate technique 
when you start trying to set up why you're backing something or someone, he was like, why? 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 And I just I got in the corner. I was like, well, all right. I'm, I'm like trying to throw. And then I was like, I don't, you know what? I don't know why I like him. And then I was basically like, because everyone doesn't like him. Everyone else doesn't like him. He makes, right now, you have to admit, with Staley, we still like his decisions on the concept of the fourth down. The play calling constantly befuddles us. Correct. That has always been my issue with Staley. It is not the going for it. That is always, generally, he has had the right decision making in terms of when to go for it, when not to. It's just, when you're on a fourth and one, you haven't run the ball all day. Why do you do a fullback dive up the middle to try to convert a fourth and one to get the win? Like, those are the type of things. And, look, he's not the offensive coordinator, but that's something that you should probably communicate You're down. the boss. Hey, exactly. Communicate down and go, guys, we're going to go for it here. Whatever we do, do not run a fullback dive up the middle because we have not been able yeah, to do it. Oh, for 10 doing what that. What a yeah. running back, which is so obvious. Yeah. So, like, like you, have, you have Darius Davis from TCU, a rookie at running back. You really think we're going to give him the ball on fourth and one? It's like the uh, it's all those years ago. Remember, uh, remember Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game, where all of a sudden Justin Fields showed up on a punt team as like a gunner, and they were like, "Huh, I wonder where this thing's going to go." <laughs> they just absolutely annihilated them. But to your point, it's the same thing. Like you can't just do that. And and those are the issues of Staley. And, and the other fact is to like kind of tie this to what we're talking about with the Vi- the Vikings, right? Alexander Madison had his best day as a runner this season. Last week against the Chargers for a reason. He averaged 4.7 yards a carry yep. because the Chargers, historically, under Staley, have not been a good run defense. And that Very continues true. to be an issue, and that's the overall picture. If you're going to be a defensive guy, your defense at least has to be good, and that has been a problem for them this whole entire time. That's Damian Pierce had his breakout game against the Chargers. So for the Raiders, if they can't get the run game going this week, oh boy, we got real problems. Yeah, I feel bad for Jacobs because it's just like, the franchise tag thing, and then like you're disrespecting the running backs with the one-year deals and everything. But then when you come out of, and you're not pro- like producing, and then the stats are not like you know showing, and the wins are not coming up either, it's kind of hard to say, hey, we, do we really need to pay you like next year? I'm not. I'm a big fan of Josh Jacobs. I love him, especially in Madden. I love him. He's a bruiser. But um, it's just it's unfair to him because it's like everything is like tr- you're trying to figure out how to make this team work around Jimmy G now. What, Derek Carr being there for so many years, you knew what you were getting. You knew what type of quarterback you were coming into every year. But, like, with Jimmy G, we're trying to figure out, can he throw the deep ball? Can he get the intermediate game going fast? Or can he get it to Devontae at the right spot on these corner routes or these deep routes? Like, the play action uh, on Sunday night, it was perfect. It looked like just like Derek Carr and, and uh, Devontae Adams last year. So that's still there. That's a good sign. But with the play action, like, at, like after, that first, after that first touchdown, it was kind of hard for the Raiders to score after that, and it's kind of sad to say, like, it's like, okay, okay they do, they do it, they do it uh, deep one time. Okay, we're gonna do the same thing, and then we're just gonna run the ball and dominate with our defense. We got T.J. Watt. Like, what are you gonna do with Jimmy G? That's gonna scare us. Like, they're threatening Jimmy G, like, to win them the game. We're gonna stop Jacobs, and we're gonna double team and bracket Adams. But after that, everybody else has to beat us. Hunter Renfro. I don't know where he's been, but it's unfortunate that he might be traded or something like that. Uh, I would like to know like why he's not getting receptions and stuff like that or targets at least. Like that's a reliable guy in the slot. So basically, do you think because he is no threat to go deep, Adams can get open even in with the intermediate stuff? But the other guy, there's just there's no room. Like they they know uh, he's going to try to go to Renfro. Uh, Jacoby Myers will be back, but yeah. the tight ends really haven't done anything so far. Is that why defenses can just squeeze up and there's almost no room to throw? Well, thinking of it like this, though, like when Tom Brady didn't have any deep threats, he was doing more of intermediate check downs, like dink and dunk. And 
it was kind of like okay, but when he had Gronk, when he started, when he had Gronk, it was like okay, he has that vertical threat down the field. You have to respect that. Safety has to play back a little bit. You can't play the run game. It helps a little bit more. And Jimmy G is not. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but he's been in the same system as Tom Brady for many years now, and it just shows like if you don't have that deep threat at all, like. It's kind of hard to get to. The, you can't open up the field like the like football is just like basketball. It's all about spacing. You got to make the defense space out, make them panic, make them worry. That's why the Niners are like so good on the offense because they make you worry with the motions and everything. Even in condensed sets, they got all these motions and everything. And one motion can make the whole defense shift. And then that, and when that happens, McCaffrey's going down the field 65 yards. So in, in listening to you, right, I mean, I would think you need more out of the tight ends because you mentioned Gronk, and when you say deep threat, I, I don't think you're necessarily meaning speed, right? It's just no. I, I need a threat in the seams. I need somebody who is going to be able to go vertical somewhat and be able to make these safeties think and spread, spread out a little bit so that maybe the underneath stuff Cause is Because Devontae be Adams is not a blazer, but he's uh, gifted, one of the gifted route runners in the NFL. And for him to get open, it's going to be hard because teams are going to just start double-teaming him. That's why, like, when people complain, oh, like, nobody has a, a receiver one. I mean, who's the best receiver duo? Like, that stuff matters because you need a receiver duo nowadays. It's kind of like basketball. you got to have a great point guard and a great shooting guard. You can't just have one great point guard and a shooting guard that can't do anything. Like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they dominated for many years because they are a great duo. It's the same thing in football. you got to have a great number one and a great number two. Like, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, you got A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are a great duo. Might eventually have Cup and Dakua. That's been kind of crazy. <laughs> that, that, no. that kid, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here rooting for BYU, but uh, nah, yeah, Puka's, they, Puka's come out of the, uh, the gates pretty hard. Uh, he's been pretty good, but we're going to see what happens with that, though, too, because they just paid Tyler Higby, too, so you're not going to pay that man and not throwing the ball either. It's Charles Williams. He's going to stick around for a few more minutes. A former UNLV running back, JVT, Cofield. We're hanging out here at the TI on the way back. Uh, Chuck took us in the direction we wanted to go in, and that is the NBA. So we got some big stories to hit in the NBA, including Dame to the Bucks. And I got to tell you, because I'm kind of a hater, I loved that this happened to the Miami Heat. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Well, a part of it for John is, and he was talking about Dame going to Milwaukee instead of Miami, a part of it is because there's been this weird media thing with certain writers and radio people lining up with each team. And and uh, if you're old enough to know these names, I, I saw this happen years ago, and I, f- I forget who it was around. It was with the Knicks and uh, whatever. It was like a writer named Mike Wise and, and Pete Vesey. And at one point, I think one of them wrote uh, – Basically, in a newspaper story, you're going to get yours. Like, threatening another... You're like, what is going on here? Over some argument... I think it was about Ernie Grunfeld, so I show my age here. John, what's happening with... So now, we had this thing with uh, what Jimmy Butler came out and said, hey, you know, the NBA needs to look into the Bucks for tampering on Dame Lillard. Then Chris Haynes, who seems really close to Dame and, and Camp Dame, said what? So he wrote a piece yesterday... About, like, you know, you always look for these, right? The expose on what happened, the behind-the-scenes thing. It was clearly Chris Haynes just getting Damian Lillard's perspective on everything. Because, like, even in there, so he, he tells this incredible story that here at the Summer League, they, they were talking about finally meeting face-to-face, right? They hadn't met uh, Cronin, the GM for the Portland Trailblazers, and Damian Lillard. They have no communication. So they finally get to meet with one another. And at one point, Dane broaches the topic, well, if I'm not going to go to Miami, I would like to come back. And he, Cronin tells him, no. Yeah, of course he's going to tell you no. You and your agent did everything possible 
to tank this deal that we can get. It's over. And then tried to make us look like the bad guys. It's over. And then damn it, and the piece is like, I was taken aback. I was like, now what are you taken aback by? You've done everything to screw over this franchise that you claim you've done everything for, which he has, but to, to, to be shocked by this. And now we're getting people out of Miami. Barry Jackson, who's a longtime Miami area reporter, tweeting out today because apparently one of the asks from Portland was Bam Adebayo. Yeah, it's Damian Lillard. I want Bam Adebayo as part of the package. For those asking about Holiday, because remember now Portland is, has Drew Holiday, and there's thoughts that maybe Miami will go get Drew Holiday now because they, they need a guard. Right. For those asking about Holiday, the Heat haven't pursued at this point, well, not ruling it out, but deplorable behavior by Cronin, as chronicled by Chris Haynes, would make it would make further Heat Blazers discussions okay. seem Okay, well, you, you'll fix the Blazers because they only have 10 other teams that want Drew Holiday. It's ridiculous. The drama around this. Oh. So what do you think of Dame landing in Buckland? Honestly, you could think, like, I was thinking to myself, like, since he didn't go to Miami, he used Miami as a crutch to distract everybody to, like, you know, oh, he's going to Miami, he's going to Miami. But the whole time they were probably working with Milwaukee, his, like, his camp and everything. Oh, you think so? Like, you could honestly say, like, the Miami thing made sense because, yeah, they need a guard and he fit, he fits Miami Heat culture and all that. But, honestly – the Heat, yeah, they beat the Bucks last year, but Giannis didn't play in the two games. I'd rather go play with Giannis, who's young still, and is actually showing he can win a championship, and keep that under, you know, underneath the, uh, just keep that, uh, un- I don't know, keep it on the down low, uh-huh. and find my way to Milwaukee, a team that is isn't gonna have that much pressure. It's a city that is low, like it's a low city market. Well, not really, but you, you get what I'm saying yeah. com- compared to LA and Miami. And I can I, I can uh, feel like I'm still like how can I say I'm still like not running from the grind as he says because it's in Milwaukee like Milwaukee is not known for winning a lot of championships Miami not them either but they've had a lot of great teams right Milwaukee like they were good with Kareem and then they kind of just were like you know just like uh, and, like very know. very mediocre for like yeah, 35 they years like until Giannis in the came NBA. around yeah so when it's I'm also not a super desirable place to live when you're comparing yeah. it to LA and Miami. But, who wouldn't want to take the chance of playing with Giannis? Yeah. And then you get Damian Lillard. He just dropped 71 points this year. So it's very unfair, yes. I'm surprised they didn't veto the trade because David Stern would have vetoed that trade. Well, but that's why that's why Adam Silver's yeah. a good commissioner. Keep out of it. It's not you. It's not for you to yeah. determine where player. But he already he already effed up the Lakers for like 10 years, oh, which is one I of the dumbest things. Yeah. yeah, I'm a Lakers The, the Chris fan. Paul trade was out. The denial of that trade was outrageous because when you look back at it, the trade was fine. Yeah. And I don't know what David Stern was doing. Maybe another favor for that creep, him, him and Donald Jer- Sterling. Him and J- uh, Jerry Buss probably bumped heads on something. He was like, yeah, I'm going to get you back. Yeah. Outrageous. Well, and really, to your point, so in the piece by Haynes yesterday, it, it does mention that Milwaukee entered the process a lot earlier than we all think, right? Because to, to us yeah. it was like out of nowhere. So, like, Lillard was at one point much earlier than we thought getting used to the idea of going to play for the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. Right. But it's just this this whole thing, you know, when you have certain Miami radio hosts like Dan Levitard calling Adrian Wojnarowski bought and paid for, but then you have all these other media members doing Dame's dirty work in the media. Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed by it. But I will say, I think they're going to be freaking good. Like, that's yeah. the other part about all of this. Yeah. That's a that's an awesome pick-and-roll combination. They're going to be freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. But the crazy thing is Drew Holiday kind of, like, sent the message. Like, he knew he was getting traded already and all that stuff. So... When he said I want to retire a buck, I was like, "Why would you say that out of any like out of the, out of out of the blue? You know what I mean? Why would yeah. you say that out of the blue?" So I was just thinking to myself, I was like, "Why? Like, why would you say that?" And then when the trade happened, I said it all made sense. 
And this is, can I just really quickly, because yeah. this is another, this is an example a lot of people were talking about, hey, you got to do right by your player. This is such a good example of teams doing what they need to do to keep their guys happy. And it's not, it's not Portland. It's Giannis. Because yeah. if you remember the last time, a couple of years back, there was questions, hey, is Giannis going to sign an extension? What's going to happen? You know what the Bucks did? They got Drew Holiday. And then they went to one to win the championship, and he signed that extension. Now here again, Giannis is being allowed. What do they do? They go get Damian Lillard. Like, look, they don't have any assets going forward, but this is what you do when you got a star. you got to go all in. And they did this without Giannis knowing so he wouldn't feel any type of way and try to pull out the trade, um, pull the trade, you know, and, like, rip it apart. Honestly, they did the right thing not telling him. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. And if you're trying to win, I'm going to go get you somebody that's going to win. Now, Drew Holiday is a great def- defensive player. Probably could have won defensive player of the year that year. Marcus Smart won it. Uh, he's a great he's a great player on offense, too. He can he put up a 50-point game uh, last year. He had a lot of 40-point games and 30-point games. So he's a two-way player. But if I got the chance to go get Damian Lillard, someone that's, that's as close to shooting as Steph Curry in the league as far as three-point shooting, I'm going to take that risk. I'm sorry, Drew. You're a great player, <laughs> but I'm going to take Damian Lillard, and I know he's going to give me my give me his all, and he he might break, he might go for like another 70 points this year with Giannis on the court, honestly, because now you can't even double team him. Uh, Demon, we've got about 90 seconds left. What'd you have on the Lakers before we get out of this hour? I know. I just wanted to ask Charles because I know he's a Laker fan. They put out that promotional piece with Anthony Davis in the gym. You think he's going to stay healthy this year? It's a long season. I'm not going to say he's not going to miss any games like last year. I don't know why he put that on himself. That was just bad. That was just jinxing himself. But I think he'll be healthy like he was in 2019. You got to think, like, they weren't healthy after the championship because they only had, like, two months to come back. And then the year after that, he was trying to come back from the injury and all that, and he got hurt again because they had Westbrook and them old geezers out there. And then the year after that, he still got Westbrook that is taking all the money up and he can't play. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Be careful. Uh, no, hold on, no. We got, a, we got a Clippers guy over here. We got a, we got a Westbrook I, I, guy. I'm just listening. No, I mean, no, 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 I, the Clippers are one time no, straight against them. So. Hey, Westbrook couldn't figure out how to play basketball until he started taking the vet minimum. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks West, I thank Westbrook for everything he did. But, yeah, keep your contract and all that over there with LA with the L.A. Clippers. I have fun with that. You have fun with that Westbrook experiment. Chuck, before you go, we want to pick on uh, UNLV in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Who's going to win? What's the score? You already know. You already know the answer. Who's going to win? It's going to be UNLV. Uh, I say the score will probably be though twenty-eight UNLV seventeen Hawaii. Really? All right, a little lower scoring than I expected. Yeah. All right, Raiders, and it's kind of hard to know if we because we don't know if Jimmy G's officially in or out. We haven't gotten that right, Tamon. Nothing on that yet. No, we haven't. Okay. All right. Raiders and Chargers. Who is out for the Chargers again? Everyone. Yeah. Uh, Mike Williams is down for the season. Yep. Their center just went on IR for the short term. Uh, um, Joey Bosa is questionable. Austin Eckler is questionable. 23 to, 23 to 20 Raiders. Okay. Oh, oh, boy. It's going to be hell to pay at my house. My uh, my lady friend is a Chargers fan, and she's a she's a more uh, grumpier and more hardcore football fan than I am. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough. Yeah, it's gonna be a close one though. It's gonna be down to the wire, like that game where Brandon Staley called a timeout, and then the Raiders ended up kicking the field goal instead of going to overtime. It's gonna be like that type of game. <laughs> oh God! All right, Charles, great job. We appreciate you coming down. I hope you had fun. Appreciate you for having me. I had a lot of fun too. There he is, Charles Williams, for running back with UNLV. Coming up, we bring in uh, two former NFL players. Rich Miano is going to join us in a couple of minutes, the uh, voice of one of the voices of Hawaii football, and Mark McMillan, our football insider on Fridays.